I just want to let you guys know that. But All right, why don't you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. Uh, John chapter 6, the book of John, not 1 John, but John chapter 6. And this is, uh, this morning we are jumping um, kind of full into a series that Scott actually kicked off before they left on their sabbatical. Um, so he, at the first week of May, so if you missed that week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, Scott kicked off this series called I Am. I am. And he, he talked about even when Moses was called by God to, to go before Pharaoh and, and free the people of God. And he said, who, who should I tell them has sent me? And he says, tell them the I am that I am has sent you. And just the power, there's a power in the phrase I, when God says, I am. Okay. And why, why is that? Why is that so powerful? Well, when, when God, there's a name for God especially when he uses one for himself. But anytime that there's a name for God, there's more than just what they call. Like my name is Matthew. It means gift from God. I try to remind Courtney of that often. Um, but really it doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> uh, so it's just, I mean, yeah, my name means something, but it's just, most of the time it's just like a label. It's what we call ourselves. For God, it's not so much like that. It's not just something we call God. It says something about the very nature of God, something about who God is. And so that's when we have Emmanuel. He's God with us. And that's when we're talking about Jesus. We can call him Emmanuel because he was with us. God came down to, to be with us. And we call him Almighty God. He is Almighty. He is all powerful. It's not just something we call him. And there's a lot of Hosanna, means God saves. All right? And that's what they, that's what they call, were calling Jesus when he came into Jerusalem um, uh, on Passover week. The, they mean something more than that. But when, when, in this case, when we're talking about an I am statement, from Jesus, this is what this series is about. We're gonna be walking through the I am statements that Jesus made when he says I am. Of course, hearkening back to when God proclaims to be something, but this is even more so um, explicitly statements about who Jesus is. He's saying I am and then giving himself a name, okay? And, and, and so there's more to it than just like, uh, just, just something he is called. In this case, it's more particularly who Jesus is for us. So when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, when he said, I am the vine, I am the door, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's one of the mo most famous ones. He is saying something not only about who he is by his nature, but what that means for us. It means something for us. And so this is a series, even Scott had said, he was like, he was, he'd never been so excited to, uh, about a series he wasn't gonna preach <laughs> in. And Jeremy and I get that um, privilege. So throughout this summer, we'll have lots of different guest speakers, gonna be great, um, but anytime that, uh, Jeremy or myself um, are preaching. We will be talking about an I am statement of Jesus. Jeremy next week is going to hit one. In a couple weeks, we have Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge from Elkhart with us. Andy Collins, you guys remember him. They're bringing the whole crew and they're gonna do the whole service, worship and everything. It's gonna be awesome. So do not miss that. It's the first Sunday in June. But, uh, but for now, you just get me. You just get me doing worship and message. That's it. That's all you get. But, um, but we're gonna jump in to this, and today's is in John six thirty five, verse 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Would you pray with me over the word of God today? God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that there's power in the word of God. As your word says, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to, pen it's like a scalpel that's in it to penetrate and separate things. And God, I pray you do that in our hearts today. Change us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So, let me, let's understand this. Um, anytime you read the Bible, context is pretty important. I mean, you see that a lot in the world when people quote something and they take it out of context and try to use that. So context is always important. But in some of these, these stories, it's, it's, it's even more so important. You know, sometimes, too, we also read, uh, we, we read the Bible um, we're not good at timelines, okay? I, like several years ago, I was, I was studying some things. Sometimes we look at the Old Testament or even the book of Acts, and we read things like they happened a lot faster than they did. I mean, there'll be a verse that's like 20 years. You know, it's just like, and he continued to be faithful. And the next time we pick up that person, the very next verse, it's 20 years later when he's doing, you know, whatever it is. And so some of these are years and decades and lifetimes that these things are happening, or sometimes generations, you know, we read the Old Testament. Even the book of Acts, I mean, I think we read the book of Acts and we think like this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And it's like there's like 24 years of <laughs> the book of Acts. Most of the letters we reference, Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, those are written during the time of the book of Acts when Paul was at a city for several years. And then he left and was somewhere else for a few years and he's writing back to those people. So sometimes we do that. But when it comes to Jesus, sometimes I think we do the opposite where it, like, you know, Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. And it says about three years he was doing his ministry. So when you're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, other than some stuff, the ones that mention his birth and some of his time as a childhood, but like the book of John is about um, his ministry. It's three years. And that's why in the end of the book of John, it says, it, um, if you read the last couple sentences, it says, there are so many, this is only a portion of what, what Christ did when he was on this. So he said, if, there was, if we had written everything down, there's not a book big enough on earth that could fit it. And I, I tend to believe him because there is so much in here. And he says, that's just a portion. And sometimes you forget. You guys ever watch like a, uh, you know, a sitcom really well and you're like, oh, there's that one classic episode where this happened or this happened. Then you're watching, you're like, oh, I forgot those were together. Like I forgot that was like the same storyline. Or maybe it's just me. Some of you guys are just like, sitcoms, what's that? Um, I just binge stream stuff, whatever. Okay, but back in the day, we had to watch reruns and that's what we saw. Okay, but... It's kind of the same thing, and this story is very much like that. There's some things that are very linked together and happen like boom, boom, boom to get us to this point. So if you go back to the beginning of chapter 6, that's when some people gathered in a crowd. Jesus is this huge crowd, and Jesus begins to teach as he goes up on the mountainside. They're on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he begins to teach. It gets late, and somebody's like, hey, send these people home because they... They need to eat, and he's like, well, maybe we should go buy something, and he says he was just testing them because there was no amount of money that was going to feed this many people that they had, and so then that, this is where they find the kid. He has five loaves, five barley loaves, and two fish, and he says, that, that'll be enough. He said he prays. He, he gave thanks. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and they distribute it to everybody, and it says 5,000 people, and I've, a lot of people would claim more because of the way they would have counted people, but either way, thousands of people are fed by these few loaves. And then he sends his disciples around with baskets. And he says, pick up the leftovers. And he said, they have 12 baskets full. And I don't know how big the baskets were, but regardless, you had five loaves. And afterwards, you had 12 baskets full of just scraps and pieces left over. This miraculous thing that happened, okay? Then the disciples, it says that very, it says evening came. This is why I want you to get like, boom, 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 these things that happened. That very day, evening came, Disciples get on a boat to go, and they say they go several miles out in the Sea of Galilee, 
storm kind of comes up, it gets kind of rough, and all of a sudden they see on the water, because Jesus wasn't with them, he didn't go with them, they see someone walking on the water, and it's Jesus. And there's that, the, when Jesus walked on water, it was the very night, according to the book of John, it's the very night after he just fed 5,000 people, okay? Then they end up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the very next day, the people that were on the other side of the sea, they can't find Jesus. So then they get in boats, so, and they go to find Jesus. They go to the other side, and at, at Capernaum is where they're at now, on that side of the Sea of Galilee, and they find him. And if, by something that said later, it sounds like they found him in the synagogue. It, it makes it sound like they just found him right there, but I think he was in the synagogue. They find him, and they start asking him questions. And that's where we're going to pick it up today. So I just want you to understand, like, it's really important to understand. They, they heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. It says, it says in uh, chapter 6, verse 2, that they had heard all the amazing things he had done to the sick, all the healings that were happening. They came and found him so that they could be a part of that. Then, you know, he feeds them all. Then he walks on water, you know, just to get to the other side. I mean, really, it's just kind of like, yeah, and he walked over because he missed the boat or whatever. And then in Capernaum, the same people in the beginning of uh, chapter 6, 22, 23, 24, um, even 25, they're talking about the they, same people go across to find him. They find him over there and they say, hey, where were you? So where were you at? You know, hey, what, Jesus, what's going on? And they were still looking for him. And this is where we pick it up in verse 25. Okay, so look at John uh, 6, 25. And just for reference, I'm preaching out of the ESV this morning um, just because when I was studying, there were some things in there I really felt worked. That's on the screen. If you don't have that, it's okay. Or if you're on your phone, get off of Facebook, open your Bible, and <laughs> pick the ESV, and you'll follow along, okay? So anyway, verse 25 says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. So I want you to get the picture of what's going on, is these people went to find him because they were still hungry, because they got free food the day before. I No joke, and Jesus calls them on it. He's like, you're not here to see signs and wonders. He says, you're here because you ate some food I gave you, and now you want some more. And what's crazy to think about is just the day before, it says they saw after Jesus for miraculous signs and stuff he was doing, for spiritual things, supernatural things. He feeds them natural things, bread, and then the very next day, they're just seeking him for those natural things, completely switched. So anyway, though, Jesus' response then, he says that, and he continues to turn it to the spiritual truth. They're thinking that, hey, you gave us bread, they're like, hey, where were you, Jesus? He knows right away. He says, you're just looking for more of that. But let me tell you what you need. So verse 27 says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus is saying, you are trying to get food to eat physically like happened yesterday, but instead that they should be taking that effort and they should be seeking the food that leads to eternal life. He says, the, the food that comes from God. So verse 29 says, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him. Oh, sorry. Verse 28 says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they he said the bread from God. Basically, they're saying, how do we get this? How do we, you said this bread from God, how do we get this? And he said, says, he answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him 
he, um, he has sent, that God the Father has sent. So they ask, how do we receive this from God? How do we get this bread that you're talking about? And he says one thing. He says, believe in him whom he, the Father, has sent. Okay? Now, there, then they say to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? See, they, got, they did get that Jesus was talking about himself. He says, the one who was sent, because then they say, well, then, but this is the way they respond. Our Father, oh, sorry, uh, then, then what sign do you do and that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Verse 31, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, I want you to get what's happening here. They say then, okay, if you are the one sent from God, then show us a sign. These are the people that just had this miraculous feeding the day before and had just sought him because of the miracles he was doing. This is, they are still hungry. Guys, they're still, they, I think they're hangry. Anybody been hangry? <laughs> Our youngest gets hangry. And sometimes we're like, what is wrong with you, child? And then he eats, we're like, oh, okay, that was it. Like he doesn't know how to, you know, get it. But it's like, if some of you, I, I think they're, because they're still, they're still thinking food. And in, a, in, a, in some sense, they're actually, it seems like they're trying to manipulate Jesus here. Because they said, you know, what, well, what sign would you give? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and as they said, because that was given by God. They had just eaten the day before, like miracle bread, you know, like the good stuff. And they, then the next day, when they say, well, what sign do you give about this bread of life, you know, the bread that you're talking about here? He said, what sign do you give? And, And they say to him, well, our ancestors, our fathers, our ancestors, you fed them bread every day. God gave them bread every day. And in a sense, they're saying like, well, if you're really from God, you would give us bread every day. Because if you don't know the story, if you don't know what manna is, if, you, if you're newer to church, you know what I'm talking about. When the, after the Israelites um, were, were uh, uh, released out of Egypt, when, when God released them and they had their freedom, they wandered in the wilderness. And every day, God would uh, give manna to them bread from heaven, which is really almost like dew that would settle on the ground, and they'd go and gather it up, and every day they could only take what they needed that day. If they tried to save more, it would, it would go bad, and every day, and this happened for 40 years, okay, for 40 years every day, and this is the miracle they say, they bring up to say, well, if you were God, if you're the one sent by God, 